You're listening to Flux Pod. My name is Matthew Repetcha. Back again after a bit of a hiatus with an episode featuring Derek Miller from Sleigh Bells. Big fan of Sleigh Bells going back the whole way through their career. They've got a new record out now called Texas. I think it's an outstanding record. Uh, we'll talk a bit about that, and uh, you know, it's the, the you know some of the history of Sleigh Bells, and you know what they're up to now, and there's a lot of things about that. But Derek and I, uh, I guess a few years ago, uh, really became friends, and uh, so a lot of this is really just like two friends hanging out. Uh, we also tell a little story about how Derek and I uh, first got in touch, because like Derek was a big uh, Lux Vlog fan. Uh, so uh, there's some flux blog mixed into the origin story here. Uh, you know, we go off on a lot of tangents. We'll talk a little bit about in excess. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Derek uh, meeting and working with Maya, uh, MIA. You know, a lot of cool stuff in this. I think you'll really enjoy this. Uh, glad to be back. There, I, just through some various scheduling issues and life stuff, I had to kind of put things on hold, but. I'm going to do at least uh, four or five weeks in a row of new episodes. And uh, we'll see what the scheduling is like. I, I'm not sure how many of you were like, oh my God, I can't believe there's no new regular episodes. There's been Patreon episodes the whole way through. But uh, if you did feel that way, thank you. I appreciate it. But got some good episodes coming up soon. Uh, next week, I can tell you for certain, is going to have a clinic. I'll talk to Aid Blackburn about their new record called Fantasy Island. Anyway, let's get into it. This is Derek Miller from Sleigh Bells. All right. Uh, Derek, tell people who you are and what you do. My name is Derek Miller. I am the guy from Sleigh Bells. I make all the music and yeah, I play music with Alexis Krauss, who is the vocalist, does melodies, and yeah, that's our thing. You got a new record, Texas, in stores now? Yes, with an I, not an A. And it has nothing to do with the state. <laughs> Thank God. It, uh, it's an intentionally mysterious net title, if I recall. Yeah, it is. I didn't, I don't think I ever told you yet. It's just an, anag- oh wait, maybe it did. It's an anagram for exits. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, so that's the, that was the whole thing. Cats out of the bag. Cats out of the bag. That's going directly onto the genius page. <laughs> That's fine with me. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I just started it in around 2017. Wow, we're going to be really dramatic right out of the gate. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, we love <laughs> yeah, drama. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when I started it right after Kid Khrushchev, it was a weird spot for me. I was not in a good place, and I'm definitely not going to go into detail with that, but it kind of seemed like I had a few years left, and this would maybe be the last thing I would ever do, and so exits seemed appropriate. I was like, well, that'll be that. Um, so yeah, kind of dark, but it ended up being a good thing because it kind of freed me up in a weird way. Like it w- didn't get me down and I wasn't like panicking about that. I was just like, oh, well, it was a good run. You know, <laughs> I'll probably make it to 40. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, making the record, I mean, it kind of changed me, you know, it was definitely the most fun I've ever had making a record and it kind of helped pull me out of the black hole, so to speak. So Wait, so how do you feel changed by it? Because, I mean, I can see also, I can see how, like, in the lyrics, it's reflecting where you were going into it. But I feel like the record feels pretty bright 
and the yeah. optimistic and the vibe. Well, and that's that was the result of it. Like that kind of snowballed. You know, my friend Deidre asked me the same question actually from Florida. Um, I was texting with her and she was like, I was like, this making this record is changing me. She's like, how? And I'm going to get really corny here. I was like, because I love it. And like all of the cliches about love making you strong are, tr- are true. And um, so, yeah, it just made me feel good. It made me want to live. And it, I just started making better decisions. I moved. But yeah, it's weird. I know it sounds like bullshit, but it's true. It's definitely the most fun and like there's the most joy I've ever had making anything. And the same with Alexis. And after a year of that, I kind of realized that it wasn't going to be the end. And I, but I still thought it was a good title. So we weren't going to change yeah. it. Um, well, but, I mean, exits mean a lot of things, you know? Yeah. I mean, does. you're exiting a stage perhaps. Sure. Yeah. But that's really it. I mean, I, I really loved the whole process. And surprisingly, it's the first record that usually once we, once we lock a master, my relationship with the record ends. I can't listen to it. I'm just kind of over it because I can't change it. You know, that's it. Um, but I still really love like seven songs on this, like a lot. And I think, <laughs> I think they're great. So and, I mean, that's out of yeah. like 11, right? Yeah. And that's good. But like, I'm really proud of that number because for the other records, I'm like, I like two songs. I like one song, you know? So, but it, yeah, I really, I know it's, yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to not over explain, but yeah, that, that's what it was, honestly. <laughs> well, I mean, as you're kind of saying that I was thinking, well, let's see. I mean, I'm, we've kind of known each other a little bit for a long time, but I think we've actually become friends probably in the post kid Khrushchev era. Well, I had to wait until you weren't at Pitchfork anymore because <laughs> I swear to God, because it was a long time. <laughs> I know. I, I, really I, was, I haven't done anything there since like 2011, 2010. Well, yeah, that's true. But I, um, well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 when, I got pretty well out of music media by the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but in the back of my mind, I was like, man, I mean, well, look, I obviously love flux blog, you know, I'm a massive MP3 blog nerd. And I mean, there's nothing more fun than sitting down with somebody who's just as obsessed with records as I am and talking shit. And I don't have a lot of people like that in my life. Like my bandmate, lives in the woods and like that's amazing but she hikes and climbs or she's on a mountain somewhere we we don't really talk about music that much when we hang out we just make it um you know will who's been my best friend since we were little kids who's also our manager he's a very measured guy and very calm and also doesn't really stay on top of music so there's that and then you know a lot of my other friends have like kids and they're just not as obsessive like you know so it's kind of like i even felt that way during like the mp3 blog era like i'd hang out with my friends during the day and we'd talk about records for an hour and then they'd get kind of fatigued or disinterested so i'd just go home and read mp3 blogs <laughs> for like six hours and i was like this is my community i swear so, to god it was so, okay so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell a story uh about i think my my first contact with you is um i wrote a pretty fevered post i think it was passionate. around oh eight yeah that, that it was like when i was because i was just like really tired of how a lot of things sounded so i was like here here why don't you think of here's some new things that could be your influences you know we've done enough with joy division um i specifically in that post wrote about uh janet jackson uh, miss you much yeah but 
one of my favorite songs of all time as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love will never do is absolutely. Oh, love will never do is my favorite Janet yeah. Jackson song. There's yeah. a, I mean, there's a couple off that record that could take that title for me. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, but uh, I think maybe like a couple months later, something like that. I got this uh, email from you. Who, I mean, you're just a guy, just a random dude, a guy yeah. named Derek in my inbox, and you were very passionately saying like, you know, you're referring to the thing and like, you know, I've been feeling the same way too. Like, you know, I, I have this idea in my head for, you know, this thing that I'm trying to make. And like, I have a couple like demos, but I'm waiting to find, I need a girl singer. And like, you know, and then like maybe, I don't know, like a year later, you come back and you did it. You did exactly the thing you said <laughs> you were going to do. And I feel like that is so rare in this world. That someone just has like the vision, goes out, executes the vision, and then it, it works out. It changes your life. I mean, I don't, yeah, that's not for me to say whether or not I did it or not. Um, but I certainly tried and still feel like that same guy just trying, like hammering I mean, away. but do you feel like you, you know, in some way executed the thing that was in your head? Yeah. And I, yeah. I mean, just, I, I mean, I, I guess remember you fair. just, you described the basic premise and you, you sure. absolutely got the premise. And it's, that's kind of, that was the, my elevator pitch to like potential bandmates. Basically what I wrote in that email, like that's probably what I said to Alexis when I was, you know, at Miss Favela, when I was handing her a, a drink, you know, and they, her mom started talking to me about whether or not I was Brazilian or American and that whatever, that's how that whole conversation started. So I, I had it down and I talked about it. Like we did a, a 10 year interview thing for treats with Rolling Stone. And I think their pull quote was like hollaback girl with metal guitars, which <laughs> I, as corny as it sounds, it's, it was kind of accurate at the time ish, you know? Um, so yeah, something like that. But I remember I was at work when you wrote me back, I was on a lunch shift and I got an email and I thought it was like um, like a mailing list thing. It said Matthew Perpetua. And I was like, this is like a mailing list thing from Fluxblog. That's, that's you long were, before I even had anything like that. And you were responding to that. Yeah, the thing I wrote to you initially. And I was like, I was ramped up. I was real excited. I mean, I don't know. I don't. There's a, there's a lot of emails and kind of maybe get lost sure, in, the, but, in the shuffle. But, but yeah, that, it really yeah. stood out. And then like once it kind of came through, and then you know, I mean, I feel like a lot of what you do is kind of like stuff that I wished exists. You know, I oh sorry, I cut you off. No, go ahead. That, that's basically yeah. That's it's still that way. Like you know, if, if I want to hear new sleigh bells music, and I do because I I still don't feel like somebody has come along and done a much better version of exactly what we do. There's like little pieces here and there, which is always so like flattering and incredible to me. Um, 
but you know, if I want to hear new songs, then, you know, I got to write them. If I want to hear songs with like double bass and like some lush synths and palm muted guitars and a nine or nine kick and a clap, and then more than anything, Alexis, then we have to make them. And yeah, like I'm thinking about Sweet 75 right now, which is the first track on the record. And it's like, for me, there are a couple of spots on Texas where even now I feel like, okay, we, we nailed it there. Like it feels perfect and it still puts a huge smile on my face and like sweet 75 when it kicks in does that for me i'm like it's exactly what i want to come out of the speakers just all of those elements just like that and i know i'm so- i'm really sorry if i sound like i'm just flattering myself here I find it to be like a relief to hear people like speak positively about their own work because i think a lot of people can be like overly bashful about it you know and i do that as well like look i hate a lot of our tracks we tried a lot of stuff that like just makes me cringe and i'm like oh but i'm saying every once in a while you get it right and um, yeah, anyway, I think that's the point is that like, I'm still trying to make my favorite band come out of the speakers because I mean, I have a lot of favorite bands, but Slave Bells is one of them when we're, when we get it right, it's a really delicate balance and it's easy to fuck up. Um, so yeah, when I want to hear new stuff like that, then we, we just make it. You're, you're starting the new tour tomorrow, I think. Yes, I leave. Like that? Well, uh, yeah, we leave tomorrow. We had to postpone the first five shows because they were all in the South. So those are tacked on to the end of February. We have a second leg in February. But yeah, we get on the bus tomorrow and head down to, to Texas. How are you feeling? I mean, I, I I saw the one show you did in New York and that I feel like was the best show I've ever seen you do. Because I think especially having like the drummer, that drummer is just yeah. completely sick. And we've added, and we've added since then... Um, permanent synths and backup vocals on stage left our friend kate steinberg who is so sick so there's something there's a lot more fluid now it's just less karaoke basically is there's no other way to say it and i just i love this lineup and that show honestly i think it's i think probably within a year i'll be able to say it was my favorite show we've ever played just based on i don't know some some other town you could just absolutely slay them you could top it you could top it but for me it's the audience like when they respond how they like that new york crowd responded because it's the city's like it can be real touch and go we've played to like a lot of folded arms and um that's it's just depressing you know nobody wants that um but yeah that webster show i mean it's just honestly it's just a confluence of things right it's like the pandemic not having played for a long time um yeah. I mean, you could you could feel that like pretty much everyone in the room was having some kind of cathartic experience. I, I felt I hope so. I hope so. I, I can't. I, I, you can say that. I don't want to say that. Like, But I definitely felt like I, don't, I can't describe how I felt. It was one of, definitely one of the best nights of my life. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, I'm, I, I took some footage of, of the people in the audience. It was just it was just such a perfectly wild audience. I don't know. Like, how much can you see the people from where you are in any kind of detail? Uh, on shows like that, it's more of an abstract thing because it's weird. Like if you put a camera on me and you ask me to just talk, like especially on a stage in front of people, I would freeze. I would totally freeze. But if you put a guitar in my hands and I have a job to do, then I feel like I was born on that stage and born there to do that very thing um, because I, I've just been doing it since I was 14 and you know I just turned 40. So for most of my life. Um, so when I'm up there, I think to get the point, I just, I have something to do to execute and it's really corny, but you really do go somewhere else on nights like that. And 
it's this, I'm going to compare it to something that is going to surprise maybe anybody listening, probably you as well, is that I used to surf a lot when I grew up, like obsessively. It was before I got a guitar and then guitar, everything else stopped. But I mean, I, I, I surfed every day of my life for years. And it's a weird feeling. The second you're up on a board and you're on a wave, from that moment to the moment that you're off it, you can't really describe what happens because you're, every part of your body like is making so many strange little adjustments, like probably billions of them. And you just kind of disappear. It's why people who are get addicted to surfing and being on stage is a lot like that, but for an hour, like the second it starts um, on a good night, you're, yeah, you're gone. I don't want to make it sound too like, Oh, but that's yeah, look, have that you ever heard Eddie better talk about that. Probably. I love Pearl Jam. So, yeah, yeah. Cause like, I, cause he's a big surfer guy and like, yes, he's always kind of likened it to be pretty similar experiences in, in kind of different ways. Yeah. That's not surprising. Actually, didn't he write, didn't he like sketch out the stories for a handful of the songs on 10 while he was surfing? Actually, yeah. the story is, I, I yeah, he had sand, Wait, he had sand on his feet when he retracted demo vocals, I think, or maybe the vocals yeah. that the guys heard for the first time up in Seattle. That, like right that's i think yeah that's i mean, the there, I, mean he's, I mean he's written specifically about surfing yeah in different songs through his career like it's like a pretty big part of his life yeah it's i mean i can understand it it's something Moved to hawaii i would love to get yeah i'd love to get back to it at some point because it's it's incredible i was i was pretty good but i was never like good and i certainly wasn't great but did I you surf- ever skateboard oh Constantly, like yeah. If you're a surfer in Florida, you skate a lot because that's what you do when it's flat, and it's flat often. But surfing was—I mean, I surfed competitively in the Eastern Surfing Association, and I always made the final heat. But then I always got third or fourth, which is like last in the final heat. So I always just ended up feeling like a loser anyway. Um, but it was, yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. I got—I still have the trophies somewhere, probably in the in my mom's garage in Florida. <laughs> that's one of those things where like retroactively I wish I could like be like oh you know I'm going to redo my own teenage years like maybe I should have taken up skateboarding or something like that yeah it's skating's great I just hated like falling and busting my head open and shit I was like I don't like that (laughs) I just wasn't into it you know I I mean most of us don't yeah yeah exactly but you know the ones who love it they have a high uh, tolerance for pain like the threshold or whatever it's called but I mean I could skate and a decent sized half pipe successfully, but like I wasn't pulling airs or anything. Um, yeah, anyway, shit's fun. A screaming comes a thousand miles, it might be yours, it might be mine. God forgive, but don't forget your some good rehearsal time in like before heading out we did yeah we had a couple of production rehearsals recently um actually we just did a taping for you know full frontal with samantha b the show oh yeah so we just taped um justine go genesis at her studio it's for it's pre-taped it's for the halloween episode 
Um, but that was fun. And like, the, they let us do our thing, you know, it's like, it wasn't like a situation where they're like, nope, you can't fuck with the lights. They were, they totally let us come in and be sleigh bells or whatever, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> like but severe strobe. That, it's definitely, I think it's stroby. I don't know. Those things are nerve wracking. But so, yeah, we taped that on, I don't know, like a week ago. And we did a couple of production rehearsals before that. And yeah, we're ready to go. I'm really excited, honestly, about this lineup. And Kate is one of the the three backup singers who was on stage. They were on stage left um, at the Webster show. And man, she's so rad. She's like, I don't know. It just feels like a, a different band. And not like I hate to compare it to our other lineups because everybody who's ever been on stage with us, like, you know, I love, especially Jason Boyer, Ryan Primack. But it's kind of cool just holding it down with one guitar. And more than anything, it's so rad that we'll get the harmonies on stage for Alexis, you know, because Kate's obviously a woman, so she can do all the backups and even some of the unison stuff. And yeah, we've just never had that. So it's cool. Yeah, that's I mean, that's good for Alexis, too, because Alexis is just doing so much. I mean, she's running beyond the singing. She's on the stage running around like crazy. Yeah. And yeah, we talk about it. I'm like, it's like, man should she she's like should i sacrifice like the energy so i can sit there and like hit every note or not sound out of breath and i'm like do what you feel just go for whatever you want to do like i'm gonna run around like crazy and if you were just standing there i'd probably be like what the fuck are you doing let's go so yeah but i I mean i feel like alexis like athletic pursuits just really like they definitely help they really fed into her stage presence yeah no for sure yep um yeah man so what have you been listening to lately? What have you been really going in on? Oh, this year releases. Oh, man. The new Tyler, the creator record. Do you like um, Call Me If You Get Lost? Are you into that? Oh, yeah. Dude. There's, that's uh, Especially Massive. That's the one I listen to all the time. Corso for me, track two. I like the whole thing, but Corso is like probably, as of right now, my favorite track of the year. Like 58 seconds in, these really dissonant piano chords get hammered and... He's like rapping about, I don't know, houses and boats and just losing his mind. But that, those, I don't, I want to figure out what those chords are. You see, on this hit stage tonight, something legendary. It goes by the name of the creator. You, you call him Tyler Bowler. I've been talking that fresh shit, I don't need gum. Cookie crumbs in the rolls, never know we crumbs. He ain't talked to his bitch in three days. It ain't gotta be this way. I'm down for the threesome. I might buy a boat. Yeah. Depends if Capri got space, don't really need one. I could go on the one at time, baby. I believe so. Find another nigga like me, cause I ain't seen him. Pull up in that uh, whatchamacallit. Played a couple demos at Madison Square Garden. And tell them motherfuckers that Sony, I'm not calling. I'm plotting on a Billy Chili in my garden. Yo. Alright. I admit it. We just been playing with you niggas, man. But yeah, that sends me somewhere else, that moment. That whole track is just nuts. He opened with it at Lollapalooza. I watched that set on YouTube. He he posted it. And it's just so transcendent. It's ridiculous. That's a beautiful record. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but Wait, so what is his his stage show like? Does he have like dude, a band? He's, he's got or a, he go on no, just like it's just him. That I can tell. That's visible. Like a lot of times, like I, th- I feel like I've seen Kendrick uh, Lamar before, and it looks like it's just him. But then, like buried in the on the 
back of the stage is there's like six dudes. Um, but I feel like not Kendrick dudes, Lamar's people. done it a when, few different ways yeah, in his career. Yeah, yeah. But I, not, the one time I saw him perform, it was it was a festival set, and it was he was does he has said like DJ tapes, you know? Yeah, word. I think he may have had like one hype guy. No, man, Tyler it was just him. Like I don't, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I, I watched like thirty or forty minutes, which is a long time for me. Especially, I never watch live uh, stuff. Like I just never really do. I just listen to the record. But man, um, there's a boat on stage, like a bunch of crazy props. It's like <laughs> it's sick. But I love that record, man. I have to hold on. Let me look at my phone. I can tell you. Give me five seconds here, because I usually just listen to songs. I know you cherry pick records as well. You know, like, yeah, I I feel like I mostly cherry pick and then like I go in on playlists. I mean, there's definitely yeah. some like I feel like there's always like X number of albums that come out a year that I listen to as albums. Oh, but, oh, 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 the new know. I like that new turnstile record. I think it's worth the hype. Are you have you heard it yet? Glow on. I did, but it, it, it didn't, just didn't really hit me. Look, well, I mean, I have to come back around to it. I mean, the thing that kind of it made me think was like, oh, this sounds kind of like Jane's addiction. Oh, with all the uh, the vocal delays and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, his voice is kind of like a little peripheralist. You know, the first time I heard it, I was like nonplussed by the riffs. I was like, it's a little too. I don't know. It's there's not a lot of imagination, but I stuck with it, um, and now I love it. There's definitely moments where there's some some magic happening between. And a lot of it is the vocal treatment for me. buddy actually produced it mike elizondo but that's not why i like this record although it does sound great and my friend adam hawk wait that's mike elizondo yeah elizondo produced that record yeah man that guy's got the craziest discography that's why i wanted to work with him for jessica rabbit like we were we were at dinner with tom wally this was when we were on loma vista briefly and we were talking about people who would be cool to work with and he was talking about the bands that he had worked with at warner brothers and one of them was revenge sevenfold I was like, yo, didn't Mike Elizondo produce that record? He's like, yeah, I know Mike. I was like, no shit. I was like, I would love to work with Mike. I mean, he did 10 years with Dre. He's got co-writes on Indie Club and a bunch of other records. Can you imagine having a co-write on Indie Club? Like those publishing checks, that's insane. But um, can you hear that plane? Does that matter? <laughs> yeah, I hear it. Is, is that plane on your side or mine? I don't know. But anyway, um, but you know, Mike made a few on an Apple record. Um, right. I mean, that's actually the first thing I think of is like he worked on uh, the third Fiona Apple record. Yes. And Dr. Dre. Those two things combined is enough to be have a weird discussion. Yeah. And I was like trying to pick his brain, uh, his brain about the Dre sessions. And he's like tight lipped. You know, he's just like, yeah, it was sick. I was like, what about this, this? And what's that? He's like, it was it was great. He was like, it was a good time. I learned a lot. And he's just a good bass player, too. Uh, uh, his dude, is, he's a great musician. That dude's got so much talent. And just seeing the way that he operated, we only spent two weeks with him, um, but he had a huge impact on my life and especially my life as an artist. He 
he's just not like a walking, talking cliche, which I can be at times, you know, with just like a crazy self-destructive lifestyle, which I've obviously, you know, I've done a lot of work on, but he's a family man. He's a man of faith. I'm not, but I really respect that. You know, my mom's Catholic. He shows up to work on time. He's clear. He's prepared. He always has ideas. You know, we'd play shit and he's just like, it's never just like, oh, I don't know. He's just like, oh, hops on a synth and fucks around. But I mean, I remember one time, one day he was working, he was at Logic and I was kind of just behind him taking notes on my phone, learning as much as I could. And he did like a shortcut or something. I don't know. I don't know. I forget what it was, but I was like, oh, that's how you do that. And I like was tapping into my phone. He's like, yeah, man. And then under his breath, he whispered this. He goes, you're going to be a beast. I don't think he even thought that I heard it, but I heard him say that. And for somebody like that to say that about me, it was like, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think of myself that way. So to be in a room with a guy like that, for him to express that much belief in me, and he's such a huge Slay Bells fan, was, um, you know, it's just one of those things, man, when somebody you really respect um, expresses belief in you, they have no idea how powerful that can be. I mean, talking about it now, it's like heavy. I got to take a sip of water. <laughs> but that moment, yeah. you know, I'll never forget it. And Mike is just a great, great guy. Um, yeah, man, I love Mike Elizondo. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, I, I had no idea he did the Turnstile record. He did. I like that record. It's it's really great. Um, but you know, I, I probably if I was twenty, I'd fight you and be like, "God, oh, you gotta listen to it." But you know, to each his own. Okay, Turnstile. Let me see. Give me five other seconds to open up my thing. Oh, what do I have on a playlist? Oh, Expose, Point and Overturn. Great, great track. Um. The thing I remember you you telling me about that I just simply would not have listened to at all if not for you is AFI. Like oh, dude, records. yeah, me me either. I was so surprised by that record. Uh, this like they're kind of like yeah goth kind of yeah yeah electronic goth record like AFI man. No, totally. I was caught off guard by that. That's a really pleasant surprise. Is there a feeling or just a touch? Oh, I'm just getting into the new low record. Hey, what? I haven't really spent any time with it yet. I gave it, I've given it one spin. I got the new Casey Musgraves. I got to spend some more time with that. Um, and then I listen to like the stuff I grew up on all the time. I'm, I still always listen to Corn and Deftones. Um, yeah, man. I listened. I, What's your favorite Corn record? Oh, man. Gun to my head, life is peachy. Um, before we dive into that, I'm really embarrassed to admit that probably 75% of my listening time is spent on listening to new Sleigh Bells instrumentals that I'm working on. <laughs> like, but I think that's the case for anybody who makes records. Like, you, you yeah, yeah. They're, I like, mean, that's just, they're driving, yeah. like, you know, they like will put it on their phone and then go drive around their city listening to their rough mixes, doing the car test. So that's most. I of mean, it. I feel like it'd be weirder if you were like, yeah, I throw on treats. I listen to treats <laughs> most days. Of the week. No, but go back. So I got a good, really good corn story. Um, so life is peachy, um, but I love 
the the first self-titled as well. So I saw Corn on the that's the Life is Peachy tour when I was 15. My buddy, they played at the UCF Arena in Orlando, and it was me and my buddy. His dad drove us up, and we wanted to get there really early so we could skate around the arena. And we we're like, maybe we'll see him walking around. And so he, he drops us off. And, you know, there's no one there yet. It's just a bunch of semis on the other side of a fence. And we can hear him sound checking. We're like, holy shit. We hear Fieldy's bass, like the click, you know, the, the, of his slap bass. And we're like, that's fucking Fieldy's bass. Oh, my God. And they're like, this is like 100 yards away from us. You know, the trucks are. But we're like, fuck it. So we jump the fence and we run over there and we get between, there's like a bunch of semis and buses and then a giant like loading bay with the door open and they're sound checking in there. So we're creeping up between the buses and right when we're near the door, like, you know, where the bus opens, it opens up and this dude steps out and sees us and we like bolt and he's like, Hey, and we're terrified. So we're like maybe 50 feet away from the bus and he screams, he's like, yo, yo, stop, stop. And we'd stop and look at each other. We're like, what the fuck? And he's like, come back. So we kind of cautiously, sheepishly walk back up to him and he pulls out a stack of uh, sticky passes for after shows. And he's like, here you go. He signs him. He's like, stay on the floor after the set and somebody will bring you and a bunch of other people back for the meet and greet. And that was like, oh, that one for me is still like the coolest thing ever. Just like, I still remember that. Like, wait, how is the meet and greet? It was just them at a card table. And I had a bunch of Ibanez guitar ads with like a head of monkey that I had ripped out and I had stuffed in my pockets just in case that very thing happened. So I got all that stuff signed. And I remember we went back to our hotel later that night and it was all corn fans. I know these two girls who were like three years older than us. So like super cool. And we were like, we just met corn. We just met corn. And they were like, yeah, right. Like smoking cigarettes, like get out of here, kids. Anyway, that's my corn story. <laughs> the guy you got to talk to, I think I may have mentioned this to you before. This is actually the last episode that I had up on this because I, I took a little bit of time off just for like scheduling stuff. Yeah. This guy, Brian Quimby, who is the host, co-host of a show called Street Fight. And he also has another show called uh, the POD cast. What, like but, uh, like because of the band, like P.O.D. Yes, yes, but that <laughs> yeah. is basically like a new metal podcast. Oh, wow. That is a side project he has. I should, I should. This guy, he's, sure. he's the coolest guy, but he's also like a huge Sleigh Bells fan. Oh, nice. There's so kind of, I feel there's like you guys just really got to talk. You, 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 dude, send an email. Yeah. I would, I would love to talk to him for sure. I mean, I'll talk about yeah. new metal all day. I mean, I it it really is kind of for me limited to to Corn and Deftones, um, and but those are like two of his favorite bands. Yeah, I mean, look, we could talk for three <laughs> hours about you know, actually for like three months about each band. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I can't go a single interview without talking about Deftones. Everybody knows they're like my, one of my favorite bands of all time. It's like if it was between listening to Deftones or like the Holland Dozier, Holland Motown songs, that would be tough, but gun to my head, I'd probably just have to go with Deftones. Cause I've just, yeah, man, great, great records. Big, big part of my I, life. I totally missed the boat on That's Deftones. Right. I, I realized. I remember us talking like the, the about that. The window of time where I feel like I should have like gotten in on You were Deftones. listening to the pavement. Well, no, I think it was more like, let's see. Like, when did White Pony come that's out? Two, like 96? That, no, that's 2000. De Adrenaline? 2000. Okay, yeah. I think maybe like I had just kind of moved out of an alt-rock zone. Yeah. Because like. I mean, Adrenaline's Because the pumpkins would kind of be ending around the time. Deftones would be really hit. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Like, yeah, Adrenaline yeah. came out in 95 and around the fur, I believe, it was 97. 
but yeah yeah so, so like deftones kind of hit when i'm in art school and like i'm aware they exist but I just yeah that wouldn't have, yeah. yeah it was a different thing like for me um yeah it's like and i said this actually do you know yasi salik she does a thing called bandsplain for spotify Oh yeah, I mean, I've heard of Spot. I've heard the show. I don't so she's heard, the host, it, and um, they were doing a Deftones episode, and Bethany Cosentino from Best Coast was like, Yasi was like looking for Deftones fans, and Best Coast added me on Twitter. It was like, Yo, you got to talk to Yasi about Deftones because Beth and I are both huge Deftones fans and have talked about them or whatever. And uh, what was the point of the story that I was telling? Anyway, yeah, I just I could talk about that man forever. Cool people. Or Chino, at least. I don't know the other dudes. Well, I toured with them in 03, but I was like, we were little kids and they were a lot older. But um, yeah, I like, I saw Chino in 2018, but it's been a couple of years. Good dude. Great dude, actually. Really, really, really loves music. Like that dude, man, you could just, you'll just start talking about records and suddenly, you know, a couple hours have passed. Passionate. It sounds like you've had a lot of good meet your heroes situations. I've I've had a couple, yeah. That was the coolest, you know, in a, in a long time. I mean, I don't know if I could have any more because I'm, first of all, like I'm not like as much as I love the, love the records. Like having you know toured and played in bands my whole life, it's like you know it's it's just a couple of people, whatever guys, girls, or anything in between. Um, so unless it's like Prince who has to act as if who, and I have no interest in meeting people like that and rest in peace Prince. I just mean in general, like the superstar thing, I think is like, I don't know. I think, well, I'm not the target first of all, but it doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I know mean, when that would happen. Celebrity just really has a weird effect on people. Yeah. I mean, it rarely brings out the best in you in anyone. That's like, that's why I've always thought it was really strange. And Alexis and I are both real skeptical of showbiz in general. Like it's, yeah, I don't know. It probably has a lot to do with why we're not great self-promoters. We're not passionate about that part of the industry. You know, some people, you know, if you're a little kid and you close your eyes at night and you see your name in lights and you want that, you should go get that. Like this, you know, I'm not comparing motives here, but I, ne I never I never really had that dream. So, yeah. I mean, it seems like a lot of people go into music, not necessarily you know, aiming to become celebrities like success and celebrity are kind of two separate things Yeah, that, that can kind of happen at the same time. That's true. But it seems like the worst case scenario is when you're not really trying to be a celebrity at all. And then you become, yeah. One. And it's like hell and on earth. To live with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's true. I mean, I guess that's the Kurt Cobain scenario. Yeah. I mean, I think Kurt wanted it though, without question. Like, I, Oh, he wanted to be, he wanted to be a rock star, but I don't know if he wanted no, to be a celebrity. Yeah. I feel like it was like, and, but I don't know how you would, especially in that era, how you would have both at the same time. Totally. Yeah. Where it's just constantly apologizing and like, won't stop talking about your integrity and how you're doing things for the right reasons and making honest. Nirvana truly the most Gen X thing. Cause yeah. that is like, that is the crux of white Gen X them. Yeah. Is that. The, that desire to have the platform, but also and burn it thoroughly embarrassed yeah, by it, light and... it on fire. Yeah. That's a, that was the move, but I, I do think it was sincere. Like I think about going back to Eddie Vedder, you know, it's like, so Michael Goldstone who, who founded mom and pops, you know, uh, Goldie, you guys have met. Did you just meet at Webster? Did, did I? You, you might've met. Cause you, I don't think I did. Oh man, I, yeah, he was, he was hanging anyway. So he signed Pearl Jam. So I've got a, a couple of cool Pearl Jam stories from him that, I mean, I won't tell not because they're bad. They're all great, but yeah, 
Eddie Vedder, like that's the last thing in the world he wanted. Like even like even Kurt, which I think rejection and feelings of abandonment, not to get to whatever about it can create that. And that that really makes a lot of sense to me. So I'm not like, oh, this guy secretly just wanted to have his ass kissed. I don't think that. I just think that he, he was like- very ambitious, especially when you kind of like find like stuff in retrospect, like like his notebooks or whatever. Yeah. I just like, think he wanted love and validation and all that shit's human, you know, and I think it came to him on steroids and it was fucking terrifying. Um, that's my read on it. But anyway, Eddie better. Yeah. Definitely not. I don't think that. I, don't I think feel that like was he wanted agenda. to be about as successful as like a moderately popular band. Yeah. Or like, which or eventually like they became, or something. you know. <laughs> yeah. Or even just like, uh, I don't know, like a. Uh, like to you know, band in a van. A good example from the eighties that would be like that band did okay, but people aren't like hounding that guy, you know. Yeah, but and he 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 like God, I think people forget this now. People like lose so much context for Pearl Jam specifically. Like he could he had like no privacy. He was at, for about the span of like three years, maybe four years, was like famous the way Taylor Swift is famous. Yeah, I mean, I think somebody drove like a car into his house and it almost killed him. He had to put up a giant wall, like a reinforced wall, literally. Yeah. I mean, that song Lucan is him just talking about a stalker. He actually had, oh, that is a nightmare scenario. I think about that. Like, my God, it's terrible. Somebody just like hacking your shit, fucking with you, knowing where you live. I mean, breaking into your there's home. There's no peace. Yeah. That would, that would, that would be terrible, man. Mm. Well, Let's yeah. talk about the I weather. Mean, like, like, <laughs> it's, I mean, I mean, lucky that they were able to maneuver their way into like a more comfortable existence while still having like you know this good level of success. Like Pearl Jam really is a good success story, especially relative to their immediate peers who just like absolutely crumble. I mean, yeah. If I could, I mean, man, if you could have anybody's career, wouldn't you want like I would want like Pearl Jam's or Fishes, where they just make records on their own terms, put them out go play to a bunch of people, you know, every two or three years. Yeah, sell out arenas yeah. anywhere in the world, like, anytime you that want. Is people are always going to be there to show yeah, up. Yeah, and it's not showbiz. It's just like, you know, people like their songs. You know, it's not, they're like consistently like quote relevant to their massive fan base. Right, and, and the people who care about you are really engaged in all the things you do. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it is a best case scenario. I, I think and so. And like people make fun of that kind of, like that kind of jam band fish fan kind of mentality but like i feel like that's so that's what lame really because it's like man that's like the most pure expression yeah i think man yeah that is without question and people showing up because like they don't even want to hear hits they just want to hear you vibe out and just follow your muse yeah yeah man that's incredible yeah like will um who i mentioned our manager he's like loves fish he's kind of cooled off a little bit now but he he's definitely got a bunch of shows under his belt it's always just like, yo, that's like the best case scenario, you know? So anyway, I saw a, a fish show, uh, I don't know, maybe like 2013, 2014, got an invite to go. I was like, you know, what? I got to see this. I got to go see a fish show. Let's go, let's go experience this. And, you know, it, it was a, it was a, a nice show, but like, I think the thing that really got me was just like the vibes of that audience. It was just like one of the most pleasant audiences I've ever been in. Yeah. That's, I should probably check one out at some point just to see what it's all about, but yeah, just that, I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, having the experience at least once is just good to have. Yep. Just for a frame of reference. Yeah. No, man, I'd be down for sure. Uh, you know, one thing I wanted to I want to talk to you about because yeah. I know we're we're both like really into in excess. Oh yeah. 
And I feel like In Excess is a band that does not get as much love as they should now. Yeah, I mean... I think like maybe some of that is because the surviving members of In Excess have done so much to taint their own legacy. I, I, I know that they have like i think they host competitions and stuff like that i haven't really seen well, they, they did it the one time on tv yeah. they had a reality show like finding a replacement for michael hutchins yeah you know i didn't see any of that and um just as someone in a band you know i, I i'm not going to judge them for that at all but yeah those singles are those singles are some of my favorite songs of all time uh their hits like what's your what are your top uh, ones? Um, we t- we've talked about not enough time a bunch, and this is in no particular oh, order. God. Not enough time is so underrated, yeah. like that because it's funny. Like there's another show I like called Time Crisis, and that song uh, came up in you know they have they'll just kind of do like these random countdowns where they'll just find like here's the top five modern rock songs from 1992. Yeah, you know, and they got to that, and they were all kind of baffled by that song. It's like, what are you guys crazy? So that song good. is just, rem- that bass line. Oh my god! Midtime stop for the two of us. Midtime stop. Listen for our signs. Not enough time for all that. I remember seeing that video in 92. I would have been 11 and I loved it even then. I wasn't like, yo, this is sick because I was a child, but I was like, yo, I like this. But yeah, that, um, Need You Tonight, What You Need, Devil Inside, New Sensation, just like the hits, the ones that everybody knows. Like those are yeah, my go Never Tear Us Apart. That's... I, I don't like Never Tear Us Apart. Oh, really? I swear to God. it's I don't like that 6-8 swing. I think that the strings are corny. Like I don't like that song. It's that's like, one of my best karaoke songs. I'm, I, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, for I would real, love that's to see like, that. That's one where it's like, if I want to like impress people, I always do that one. I got to go. We got to go to karaoke together at some point. Yeah. I know you do that. I haven't been in a long time. Um, I don't really have one. Uh, the only t- every time I go to I've gone to karaoke, I think I've been with Will, who does Wicked Game, Chris Isaac, but he does it on a stool with his hair in his face, and it's really effective. Oh, that's but, amazing! Yeah, I, I like when people have like a whole routine. They, they bring a certain level of uh, yeah, a showmanship to it. But are you outside of yeah? I mean, there's got to be some in excess. Well, I'd say there are some deep cuts that I haven't heard, but that's not true. I mean, I've. I've listened to the entire discography, but I always go back to the hits and they keep me as happy as they ever have. Like not, not just that. I mean, I think they're beautiful and sonically they're really incredible. Yeah. They're just fucking astonishing. It's, I wish I could have band. seen them live so much. Is yeah. I, did you watch like the, the energy restoration? I'm sorry. Did you watch the restoration of the, the Wembley show? Uh, yeah, I did. And yeah. it's just like the, the absolute command that guy had, like he was, you know, he's, he was like a direct peer of like Bono, things like that. He's like yeah. that kind of performer, 
but he has like this like sexuality that a Bono certainly doesn't have. Like yeah. he had kind of a, almost like a more of a Robert Plant kind of sexuality on stage. Yeah. He was definitely like overtly, everything is about fucking like period. Yeah. Bono was and, much and he's more also just like absolutely beautiful. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. As I mean, he handsome was, as any man has ever been. It was definitely just nailed it. Like in ways that you can plan and in, you know, in ways that you can't, he was just that dude. And yeah, it's a shame. It's tragic to think that you would die alone, probably coming down off of a bunch of terrible drugs in a hotel room. It's, nobody deserves that. It's awful. Man. I was really uh, shaken by uh, that documentary that came out about him yes. a little while ago, Myst- and mystified. I didn't know he had like the like the, the brain shit. A couple of years before, he had that that brain issue. Yeah, I didn't know. I I feel like I had read that, but had totally forgotten about it. But that definitely helps connect some dots because, yeah, I mean, obviously he lost his sense of smell, um, but. Yeah, it'll cause all sorts of behavioral issues. And if people in your the people in your life, especially your loved ones, aren't aware of what's going on there, it's just like, wow, he's become a massive asshole. And how would they know? I mean, they were yeah. young and rich and crazy as hell. They're all thinking about it themselves. Just like, it was just a lot of compounding factors, and it seems like he'd always had like some kind of manic depression or something like that and stuff. Yeah, yeah man. It's yeah, it's terrible. It's like Think about with my own shit, like where, and I'm obviously not comparing this, but you know, the times in my life where I was like certain that I was going to be a casualty and was so ashamed. It's like, God, you're just a fucking cliche. And that thought alone, a lot of times, I would think of guys like him, like when you're in those spots, if you imagine this is going to be the last moment of my life, like over my dead fucking body, like no pun intended, like no way that idea. Cause just knowing what it feels like when you're in that spot and you're alone, it's, it's just hell. And I was just like, I don't want to be there anymore. I certainly don't want it to end like this. You know, I'm like, yo, Alexis is out in a lake somewhere and I could be there. It's like swimming around and then we could make music or I could stay here and do this bullshit. It's like, which one sounds better? <laughs> you know, it's like, so yeah. I mean, at least, you know, it serves as an example of like how not to live really. So how has the change of scenery been for you? I feel like getting out of the city, getting upstate has done a lot for you. Best. Yeah. One of the best decisions of my life, for sure. Brooklyn, I loved it and I still love it, um, but I, I just can't live there anymore. It's I was just, yeah, on the hamster wheel of death, just doing dumb shit. And the only good thing that I did there was train with uh, this guy, Mike Camaro, who's a really, really good friend of mine now. With, I was with him for nine years. And besides that, yeah. No, nothing, this is boxing, right? Yeah, boxing and just in general, just taught me what it meant to work hard and how to take care of myself, which, I mean, I can do now on my own, which is great, you know, because tra- personal trainers are expensive. But actually, you know, Nick Sylvester went to the same dude and – um yeah, that's great. So whenever we talk, we always talk about Kamara. But yeah, Kingston is amazing. I mean, I'm in a house, so I'm not sharing walls. We record here. I mean, I'm sitting in my studio right now. It's my living room. Like my monitors, you know, at 2 a.m. I can make shit, you know. It's really, it makes you want to work. There's a big difference between having a pair of headphones on and triggering a kick drum. And it's just like just sitting in your ear and it sounds like dead as hell. And when you hear it bouncing off walls at 120 decibels, it's a lot more fun. It just makes you want to work. It's inspiring. Um, it's also just quiet up here. You know, I go to the grocery store, I go to the gym, and that's it. I go to Alexis. Do you do much nature stuff? I don't. No, like I'm an indoor guy. Alexis is <laughs> Alexis always. Yeah, you and Alexis are uh, pretty Dude, radical. Diametrically opposites in that opposed. Regard. Yeah, she's 
like she's kind of oh we should, i should have mentioned like alexis uh if you guys in the audience that don't know alexis is uh really into uh mountain climbing oh yeah big time i hate it because it's dangerous um so i mean i don't i love it it makes her happy and anything that makes her happy is okay by me but yeah she's that's like i mean it's sleigh bells is just one of the things in her life that she's just as passionate about nature i mean you know she's got a lot of stuff on her plate and it's all yeah it's important to her so it's important to me but she's always getting she always wants me to well less so now but like i like to be seated indoors in set, in front of a set of speakers with hot showers and <laughs> i don't like spiders i don't like snakes spiders are always crawling into your ear laying eggs and shit when you're hanging out in the woods i don't want that um yeah just like <laughs> but she she loves it she really loves that shit um but now that's i yeah i'm really calm in kingston well actually calm's not the right word because i feel just as like when i use the word manic i mean it just like in a in a good way like i get ecstatic and just really excited working on music all the time it makes me happy and you know it's like in brooklyn sitting in my apartment like again working on headphones it's boring and there are like a thousand bars and there are a lot of my friends are at all of them. I could go do that instead up here. It's like, it's not even, doesn't even enter the picture. And, yeah. You know, I mean, I guess like ultimately you just kind of need to have like some options taken off the table and then like some other options. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, absolutely. You, you know, you keep some options on a table, you keep some on the floor and <laughs> <laughs> nice work. Yeah. People still ask me about that. Like I feel like every couple of months somebody's like, please explain A B to A B machines to me on Twitter. And I'm just like, Nope. There is a thing, but I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna get into it. I like the I like the bullshit. <laughs> I, like I like the bullshit. Yeah. Well, it's very specific for me. Like, but I mean, what what do you got for it? What do you think? I mean, I just always think about, you know, it's just, it's, <laughs> you just made a banger about, you know, how you organize your workspace kind of yeah. general way. It's that's, like, you know, that's, 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 you're right, actually. But like the machines are different things in my mind, but yeah, you're, you're, you're definitely right about that. I mean, I it's just, basically I, just about work. I actually just took that off the set list for this upcoming tour because it's always like, they're going to murder you. You got to love it. In. But it was, it's between that and tell them. And we haven't been t playing tell them over the past or man, we've been off tour, but on previous tours and I really love playing tell them. And it's kind of like people, it's not as much of a quote dance party, but it, it feels really good in the room and it's a lot of fun. So we'll, I mean, we'll swap in and out and like and in cities where we're doing, like we're doing two nights in Los Angeles and, and in San Francisco and Oakland, we'll definitely, you know, play both, but yeah. Anyway, AB machines. Yeah, yeah. I remember oh, that's bold though. Cause I feel like AB machines is one of the ones you have. That, that's a guaranteed, <laughs> like get everyone crazy song. I, it is. It is. It's Alexis is not like happy about it, but I was like, yo, we've been playing this song for nine years. I, I'm sorry. We got to play tell him for, we just got to swap it out with tell him for a couple of weeks. Like, All right. <laughs>
We'll see. Look, that might not last. We could be on <laughs> n- night you, three. You might, be, you might be like, oh, that was a bad idea. Yeah, 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 totally. But we're, we play a lot of treat songs. We play five or six. You know, it's tough for me to go back to records like, okay, so for Bitter Rivals, like I want to play 24 so badly. It's my, I, I, It's one of the songs in that record that I still really like. And it does, it's kind of a secret Bitter Rivals favorite as much as that anybody you know can have a favorite on the record. It's not, I know it's not like a huge record or whatever, but people really always talk to me about that track, but it's not going to have the same energy. And if we're coming through a city and we're coming through once every two or three years, like Bitter Rivals is going to get the room moving. Like it's just so much fun. That to was play. a really good opener when, oh, uh, thank when you. you played the, the Treach show. That's what it was like. Let's just come out swinging. Like, let's not be clever. Let's just have fun. Like right off the bat, get everyone started. Um, yeah. Cause you, cause you, that song kind of has like a couple seconds before really slamming in, yeah. you know, there's the, the couple seconds to gather yourself and then bam. Yeah. And it's like, that's, and I mean, it's a good question for you as well. Like, you know what, like as, as somebody who has listened to our music, like, do you think it's worth trading off? Like, well, we're going to play this one kind of for us and it's going to cool the room off. And then it's, you know, we're not going to you know, be back tell three you years. from the show in the, the treat show. Cause yeah. you have like a couple songs in the middle of that record that you just didn't really play. Much we've never, all. dude, we've never played before. <laughs> we, it felt, <laughs> I felt like the whole thing sag. I was so actually, I was like, no, 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 no. Ready. Okay. Okay. I can tell you. So, uh, was kind of weird. I don't think anyone really knew what to do with that. But, and people love that record all the way through. So I feel like Alexis said that Rachel was a nightmare for her. So she's like, yeah, she's but like, the, my what, bitch what's the song before? It's like, uh, run the heart. heart? What? Maybe. Yeah. Run the that heart? one. People were way into that one. Really? I was like looking through the audience and now I'm like, you just see people just really just vibing hard so on that song. My, my guitar part on that, which starts about halfway through. It's like these, I think they're 16th notes. They palm muted guitars. And I got to be really locked in. And I practiced at a bunch of production rehearsal. And I was pretty close. I would drift a little bit because I'm human, but I had never done it with a sweaty pick on, you know, on stage. <laughs> I was in an air conditioned like rehearsal spot. And so on stage, my pick was really wet and it was slipping halfway through and I drifted so far out. And so the whole time, so this is actually when I tell you that I was back in the room and it wasn't one of those transcendent moments because <laughs> I was so ashamed. I'm sitting there like, I'm fucking this up. I mean, I was concentrating. So maybe in a way I was still in the zone, but in my mind, I was just like, you look like such a fucking dumbass right now, Derek. Like you can't even play your own songs. Um, yeah, that shit. I'm still I mean, angry. My, about my that. point I'm still being sad, not angry, is that sad. I think like the middle of a show is a good spot for anyone to kind of throw a few. Yeah. These are for me. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Like I can only stare, even though like sonically it's still pretty aggressive. The chorus is it's a mellow song, and we play that. Um, oh, I'm, I mean, I feel like that's one of your hits, right? I mean, I don't. We don't have any hits, bro. <laughs> like a hit is a giant song, but it's like I mean, one. Well, that, I mean, well, I think I think that a lot of the treat songs count as hits. I mean, but, I mean, you know, I, relative to your own I hear, career, I hear, I hear you, I hear you. But like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just was watching a movie that was on Amazon that had I can only stare in it. Oh yeah, yeah, Voyeurs. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, they they cleared. And that like, I, I thought that was really because you know that movie was like uh, it's kind of like a the title like an erotic um, thriller. Yeah, that's right. And, I need to watch but it. But like, like they were really going in on like eye metaphors through the whole thing, like yeah. watching. Just yeah, like, I mean, the title. Stare. Oh, so perfectly on the nose for that for that show, yeah. for that movie. The director is good. Is friends with a buddy of mine, Alex Ross Perry, who um, we've made a couple of videos with. You, I think we've talked about Alex. Um, 
her, her smell, Queen of Earth, uh, Golden Exits, rad, rad filmmaker and writer. Love him. Great, great dude. Have you met? Did you meet Alex? I've never met him. I've, okay. I, you know, I actually uh, I saw a screening of her smell that he came out and did a Q and A. That's the oh, closest okay. I really, really got for that. He's guy. he's like a dude who I've I mean, outside of working together, we've only hung out a handful of times, and he's special. He's like, yeah, he's a one off. Like after seeing Queen of Earth and Listen Up, Philip, I felt like I was intimidated by his intellect. And I thought that he was, I couldn't tell if he was the type of person that would like lord it over you, you know, and make you feel dumb or self-conscious or he would be sarcastic. And he was the complete opposite. And so the first time we met, like- I find came, that the people who really want to lord it over people are don't really actually have the goods. In the first place. Yeah. I think yeah. you're probably right. And he's like, yeah. The, so anyway, I think in front of him, in my mind, I'm like, okay, he's intelligent and so any, I can't, there's no bullshit. There's no reason for me to try to be something I'm not. I'll just be me and hopefully he'll just forgive me for that. It's weird for me to say that like it's a sin, but it's just how I'm wired. I know it's not, especially at this point in my life. I'm like, fuck all that. But yeah, the first time we hung out, it was, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the conversation was fluid and rapid and um, he's, he's great. I love Alex Ross Perry and Justine Gogenesis. God, it was so much fun making that video. It was hot. That's, that's my favorite on the record. I think you already knew that. Yeah, yeah. I I love that one, dude. Live. Oh man, it's so much fun. And I just um, we were just uh, mixing the Samantha B show. Like we're listening to the board mix or whatever for the Halloween thing. And it's pretty wild. It's all over the place. But I think it's I think it's cool that a song like that's going to be on national television because it's like double bass blasts and it's yeah, you know. And that's like a song that only you could do. Like that's the, that's the, that's such a sleigh bell song, but also not really like the other ones. Well, thank you. Like that's flattering. I um yeah, that's like we've talked about it. That was the one that kind of set the tone for the whole record in late 2018. Yeah, love that one. Really fun to play. Actually, I don't want to go here. I don't want to go there. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, I, that song I whips it. though. Oh, thank you very much. Alexis loves it too. We're both. We're both. Well, we'll probably that'll be in our set list for a long time for sure. What are the other ones you feel like you could never drop? I mean, I guess like, I, do you feel like that way about like a uh, rule number one? Um, with Chris, I love rule number one again. Chris Maggio, our drummer. It's a lot of fun with him. Um, 
Like the treat stuff, like the the songs that people love on that record, I love playing those. AB is an exception because, yeah. frankly, it's so fucking boring for me. I just go. <laughs> is it just super repetitive? Is that the thing? Like there's nothing else, and it's kind of it's one. It's in a weird spot in the neck where I can't like run around the stage and just have fun, even though I may not be enjoy like actually playing the song. Which is like Crown is really basic, but like there's so much joy in it in the crowd. It's like, if you're having a weird night, you know, that song's going to fix everything for us, you know? Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So some of the treat songs, um, probably bitter rivals off of Texas. will definitely Justine locust lace is so much fun. Um, Oh dude, sweet 75. I didn't know how that was going to go because it starts and stops a couple of times and has kind of a strange arrangement. Doesn't like, Kind of has a chorus, but oh man, it's so much fun. Um, that's that's the one that I was really uh, I'm looking forward to because you had three or four from that record at the that yeah, show that I saw. Justine Locust and True Seekers. That one surprisingly yeah, yeah. feels good, even though it's a really slow song. Like it feels it feels good in the room, and I've, I've only played it. I think I think you've gotten people used to the idea that you have ballads now. Yeah, I I hope so. Yeah, but like for me, that was like it's, I, mean, I feel it's like it's the, I can only to just give shape to a show. Yeah, definitely. Like when we played for thirty minutes, that was like not going to happen. We were just going to like beat you over the head. But if we're we're playing for an hour, you know, it should be dynamic. Oh, and Saints, I love playing and Saints, and we've never talked about that song, and maybe we shouldn't because if you don't like it, then I'm going to fucking yell at you. Like I love that, that track. One rules. What are you talking about? Oh, you like it? Really? You like yeah. it? Yeah. Yo, I didn't Whatever know gave you the person I didn't like because I've I've never asked you about it and you never brought it up and I'm like well I think hate, part I'm of like, it was, he I hates think the, the one I focused hate. on was uh, favorite transgressions because oh yeah because that that's one. like more more sleigh bells that's out yeah of the but I, th- that song it's funny because we we mentioned the Janet Jackson thing earlier but that one yeah. I I really hear the Janet Jackson coming through in that song that's definitely there and honestly I think like Alexis isn't crazy about it because I feel like that doesn't feel as much like her, even though that's her vocal, you know, that's like her thing. And like the riff is almost, for lack of a better way to describe it, almost a little bluesy, the pull off. And we don't really do that. Like that's never, like the 12 bar blues thing is like not on the menu with us. It's, um, it's, it's just not. So that one I think just always feels a little weird. It's fun to play though. And it's only like two minutes and nine seconds. So it's over immediately, but yeah, Sweet Seventy Five is my favorite on the record right now. Like that's the one where it still just gets me giddy as hell, and like feels I feel the same way about it now as it did right when we finished it. So. That's the one where I, I misunderstood the lyric. Oh, I thought it was, uh, it, you know, illegitimate. Uh, here we go. Rock here we go. Illegitimate rock that, and that, roll. That was an option. Um, I remember floating that idea to Alexis, and we stuck with because it was actually the the original lyric was "You're a little bit rock and roll." Like, what's that? What's the song? You're a little bit country. You're a little bit rock and roll. And I thought it was really clever to quote that. And I remember even asking Will, I was like, yo, can we get sued for that if we like reference it? That's and the the Osmonds, right? Is, is that okay? Yeah. yeah, I think it's the Osmonds. Um, 
and then the yeah it just was you know like you just when you as a lyricist you're always just kind of toying you know turning stuff around in your head i mean like i'm like shopping for groceries but i'm like trying to think of a better way to say something and for some reason your legitimate rock and roll seemed funnier to me um I don't yeah, know. illegitimate. I mean, knowing too, what though. the song's about, it makes sense. But I like the idea of like declaring your weird rock band illegitimate. illegitimate. I like I like that too. Honestly, if we had gone with that, I would have been just as as happy. Um, but maybe you yeah. save that for like you know you're like the best of sleigh bells. Oh, that'll <laughs> never. That, I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, lyrically, I was thinking about locust laced. Um, like the opening line. I was digging through my iPad trying to find something new to read and I've started Gravity's Rainbow a bunch. Like I've read the first 150 pages like nine times and I love it, but I always get distracted. Like the opening lyric from Locust Laced I stole from, that's the opening line uh, from Gravity's Rainbow. It's a screaming comes across the sky, which is like an incredible way to kick a story off. But yeah, it's a screaming comes a thousand miles. I just kind of tweaked it. I'm trying to think of other things that I kind of lifted is what I'm saying. Like the little bit. Well, I mean, you reference like a ticket to ride and come as you are. and Justine. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. As insults too. And I think, did we talk about how I'm really self-conscious about, I don't think people under know that and they wouldn't like, there's nothing to, to like provide the context when she says like, I'm a, I'm a concrete calendar girl took my big time test. I have no idea where you're coming from on that one. I feel like that song kind of strikes me as like the lyrics are kind of, uh, they're they're more the sound. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some truth to that. But with that line, I mean, it's written in character and it's, it's a a woman named Justine, of course, who's loosely based on the Marquis de Sade, Justine, but this, this particular Justine, her life plays out in Florida and, you know, it, the original Justine, her life goes very badly. So, so does this Justine's and she's angry. So she's like, the idea is that she's lashing out at all of the things that she loves because that's kind of her version of blasphemy. And so she grew up on Nirvana, the Beatles and Riot Girl. So she insults them all because she it's, it's worse than damning God because she's an atheist. So that doesn't mean anything to her. So her version of cursing God is to insult Nirvana and the Beatles. And so like, I'm a concrete calendar girl, took my big time test. Now I got my ticket to ride is her mocking female empowerment anthems, which is even saying that is uncomfortable, but it was just to try to get across how angry she is. No, I, know, I like, like the idea of like, like, you know, your own personal version of blasphemy. Oh yeah. It's like, if I was going to, I mean, I guess I'm kind of an atheist. I don't really know, but like, if I was going to say like, it's the wor- like worse than saying fucking God damn, it would be like, fuck Motown or whatever. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, oh my God, did he just say that? Like, that's because music is, it serves that purpose in my life. You know, it's why I have so much respect for people of faith, even like hardcore like I feel Bible like the, thumpers the... because, you know, I, I know the feeling like sound is like that for me. Like it's, you know, like a lot of people though, music is their religion and I'm just one of those people. So I feel like in pop culture terms, it's like how, you know, you, no one can say a bad word about Beyonce because Beyonce has basically elevated herself totally. to deity for so, so many people. If, so if somebody like speaks against Beyonce, it's like, that would be sacrilege, right? So right. That's, you that's may as well just say is. something anti-Semitic or something. <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's kind of what's going on there. And I'm all, I was worried, like Alexis and I had talked about it for years literally from like 2018 until the record came out i was like really worried that people were going to think that it was like a crass attempt to write for a man to write a female empowerment anthem which i wouldn't do um and 
but really it's just a send up and it's because she's in pain and it's because she loves it. You know, it's not because she's not like disrespecting it, you know, she's just hurt. But anyway, yeah, like there's, there's no way it doesn't come across in, in, in the lyrics. So it's not like, I'm like, people don't get it, man. They're stupid. Like, it's not that. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's it's not, not what I'm saying. So literally that. No, you know. exactly. But anyway, yeah. Nor did you set it up as like, yeah, so I wrote this rock opera. Yeah. Well, I thought, I thought, uh, excuse me. I thought about that and I talked about it with Alexis. Like, should I provide context? Should we provide context? And it was like, fuck that. Just put the song out. Like, you know, it's cool. Like when bands, if you want to explain, you know, provide information about the song in whatever way, shape or form you see fit, go for it. Like I'm down. If you want to just, you know, explain the lyrics, that's cool. But you know, we I like abstraction a lot as well. So for me, it's all feeling. I'm kind of with you, you know. Um, I, I've never been a narrative songwriter, but I appreciate them. But for me, a song is a vehicle for feelings. Like it's all just how it makes me feel. And like I'm thinking of a record that, you know, as a teenager, I loved and still love like, a, you know, a big one, obviously, like OK, okay Computer by the, that band Radiohead. Um, I'm joking. But like, I don't think I knew the lyrics for Airbag for like 10 years, you know, and that's my favorite track on that record. I'm just listening to it. That's always been my favorite as well. Yeah. Great track. Well, there's nothing else that sounds like that song. Yeah, that's true. Like the way they, the the way they do the cut up drums, like the, yeah, they were like opening guitar riff is so incredible. God, I know it's, it's a really, it's a great fucking song. And that was kind of, I'm sure you know this, but that was kind of their attempt at like mimicking shadow, like all the shadows. I mean, and that's such a good example of like, you know, trying to do something and utterly failing, but in your own, in your own style, you've done something totally new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't listened to that song in, in, a, in a minute. I, I got to check it out that. And I really love, um, was it come, not come down. What's like the fourth or fifth song? Let down, let down, let down. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. That shit's sick. I love that song. I happened to listen to Kid A earlier today when I was doing work stuff. I just like, you know, okay, that won't be, that'll be like relatively inobtrusive. I love it. It's the first time I listened to that record all the way through in a long time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's true what they say. Kid A, good record. That's actually my favorite Radiohead record. I love. Yeah, I think it's my favorite too. I think that and Rainbows (laughs) are my two favorites. Yeah, those, those are great. Kid A, for me, it's Kid A and Amnesiac. Those are the two that I really love, but they got they got a bunch of records. They're all really great, amazing. Yeah, band. consistent band. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, pretty. Good. I'm a really big fan <laughs> of the uh, the most recent Radiohead record, uh, Moonshape Pool. I have a lot of sentimental attachment to that one. Yes, we talked a little bit about this a long time ago because we were both in Los Angeles when it came out. We yes. were we were working on Jessica Rabbit. And I remember you posting about it, and I think I was listening to it, and you were like, "I really like this record." And I yeah, was, like what happened you know, for me was like I went out to LA to work for I think two or three weeks. I was it was I think it's the longest time I actually spent there. Um, and like the record literally came out like the day I was flying out, so I was listening to it as I went out there. I was listening to all so, uh, yeah, so much of my associations with that record are tied to like Los Angeles scenery and like yeah, and it feels very right. It feels very appropriate, and I think also that that record was also for Tom York, kind of an LA record too, because he moved there somewhere during that. Overlord Channel. 
partner pass away right before or that was no it was after but after, he had okay. separated from her it's god it's uh, that record is so incredibly upsetting when you think about like it, the context of yeah you know he his partner they were together like before the bends came out they were together for a really long time yeah uh, they have kids but you know their marriage fell apart and then she got really sick and then like within a year or so like she passed away yeah man it's crazy like that song, True Love Waits, you know, the original was kind of written earlier in their relationship. Yeah. They, so like they, doing yeah, kind of that, like this ghost version of it at the end. Yeah, that was that definitely. Brutal. Yeah, that that'll choke you up. Because yeah, I remember there was like the live version, right? With the acoustic guitar. Was it on? I might be Yeah, wrong? I mean, and that song was kind of just kind of that. I mean, that was in them being like, you know what? We've never been able to figure this song out. Yeah. Uh, we give up. Here's 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 a live version. Uh, yeah. th- they have like the that uh, reissue of Kid A and Amnesia coming out. And like one of the things that's on it is another version of True Love Waits. Oh, nice. It hasn't yeah. come out yet. I'm looking forward. To- but apparently it's like mixed with like Polk Pull Revolving Doors. Oh, yeah. I remember that as a B-side. At one point, I knew all of that stuff like the back yeah. of my hand. It's- I mean, I know like like spinning plates, you know, the, oh, the piano part for that was them that's a great track like turning music they had made for a version of true love waits backwards yeah they just spun the shit backwards and that was where they got the title from right i love i love that story and for me that's the live version is the one that i really love from i might be wrong where it's just like vocal and piano actually now i think i like them both equally but for a long time i liked i like that piano piano version it's real beautiful yeah i think i think i prefer the piano version but yeah it's yeah that song's great like I haven't listened. You know, I haven't listened to either of those in a long time. I gotta go. I gotta check that out. It was, yeah. I, I, I you know, like there's just all these kind of things where I like it a lot, but I just, you know, have to spend time away from it. So like, like yeah, listening to the Kid A earlier today was kind of like, oh yeah, Radiohead. You know, one of my one of my all time favorites. Let's... I do the same thing, and you have to, especially since I spent so much much time with him growing up. Um, yeah, I took a really. I don't think I listened to him for about five or six years when we were like working on treats that whole era because. I mean, I think I was kind of trying to, I was pretending like I was a, like a fuck art, let's dance type of person. Like I just wanted to be like, I don't want. That really was a zeitgeist. I don't want, yeah, I don't want any sentiment. I don't want any angst. I didn't want any of that stuff. And like that greatly informed treats, like especially the vocal approach where we've, we've talked a lot about how we tried to remove any affect of, you know, and that's why like tell him is like, every once in a while she'd be like like, don't don't do that and she'd be like yeah i know um but then i went like all the totally in the other direction and i feel like that reached its logical conclusion on like and saints at the end of kid khrushchev where it's like okay that's like as far away from like 
a party as you could get. It's like that track. And then now party I, killer. Then I feel like floor, we swung back. Floor clearer. <laughs> yeah. And then I feel like we swung back in the other direction for Texas where it was like, yo, tempo's up. Let's try to have fun. I'm going to be dead soon. I'm joking. But like, you know, um, once I started feeling good, I just was like, yeah, it just like I was saying. Anyway, yeah, I'm kind of, what are we talking about? Ah, <laughs> oh, like a lot of things. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah we, we got on a Radiohead tangent. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's oh, right. God. And I'm blank on what was immediately before that. Oh, so. I, f- I feel we, like we got to move forward, you I, know? Yeah, I think we talked about, actually, yeah, we, we, we've, we've covered Radiohead. I was going to talk about the show that we were both at. So the Wait, which one was it? The the, sec- uh, the second night at MSG in, in 2017, I think it was. 2018. Mm. 2018. I, I went to three of those. I was at the, the second night was the one where I was on the floor, so yeah. I was very close. I think you were there, not like because I saw you, but like we talked about it, and yeah, yeah, the, that the, was amazing. They played they played Spectre that night. And it was just yeah, Tom, yeah. The yeah, that, the night three of that. So I, I saw two, three, and four. I didn't see the first one. I was seeing something else the first night. I think oh, you know, I think I was seeing Phoenix that night. Oh, um, yeah. But the third night—that's the best radio show I've ever seen. That's is that the one that? Oh no, we were. The, I was the second night then. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because the one that you said was the best is—I didn't go to that one, and I think I remember. I mean, they were all great. With, I mean, like I think yeah, that's the but, thing with Radiohead, and I've seen them a lot of times going back to like '96. Yeah, is that Radiohead shows? There's not really like bad Radiohead shows. They're all like. They they have a, an insanely high level of this is just what we do, you know? Yeah. So sure. when you see one where they're like so in the zone, like you actually, if, if you have the frame of reference, you can tell. Yeah. Like, and that was one where it's like, oh man, they were just in the zone on that show. And they also just happened to play a few ones. I was like very hoping very for excited to hear like, well, they played airbag in that show. Oh man. That and they played uh, I'm a big, I like separator a lot. And they oh, played, dude, I love uh, that. National the Anthem was song. in that show. Yeah. Wait, there was one. Oh yeah. Body snatchers. Body snatchers. Uh, was that's a that one, one. That song is a really big that's one. Track for me, two. Like emotionally. Is that track two on in rainbows? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like, it's, dang, like, the, dang, it's dang, like the really like rocking one. Down, down, down. Right. That's the one. Yeah, I am not. I, I wrote a post about <laughs> that. Uh, that was like uncommonly uh, personal. Oh, okay. I would have. I think I'm sure I would have read that. I remember so many of your posts, like because they're about songs that I love as well. So they just kind of stick in my head. Maybe I missed that one. Yeah, anyway. but that that show was one, also had a kind of a weird arc to it because they played like a bunch of mellow songs, and then like the end of the main set they just like suddenly just like shifted gears very harshly into like like your myxomatosis and things like that yeah that's a rad synth riff Oof. brutal love it but yeah yeah i think like when you have i think that's like that that's definitely the argument for having enough songs that you can just kind of like mix it up and have very different shows yeah yeah that's like it's something I think about a lot, kind of going back to what I was saying about like having to pick if we're going to play one song off Bitter Rivals, you know, do we do one that we know is going to work in the room? There's a lot of stuff on Jessica Rabbit, a lot that we've never played and don't have plans to, but maybe I'd like to anyway. Yeah. I'm not sure if I've have you ever, have I seen you play uh, It's Just Us now? I don't, I hope not because with, I think it would be cool with Chris Maggio, but with like all the drums running out of Ableton, I, I never thought that it came off well. I always thought that we just looked and sounded stupid 
And I, think, I love that one. I love that song too. Um, I, I, well, love, I, I don't. I mean, that title I, I, has a real emotional charge to it. Yeah, it's like I remember your post about it actually, and there's a little bit of truth to it, but mainly it was just about like a gang of kids. You know, it's kind of just playing off a of Goonies vibe, and then the verses are abstract. But yeah, the chorus is just like, you know, it's it's kind of adolescent where it's like you and me to the very end, and that certainly could apply to Alexis and I. Um, yeah, I mean, I, just, I feel like uh, Sweet 75 is kind of like another angle on that there's, same book. There's definitely a little bit about that. I mean, yeah, there's I've written different versions of that song like a, a bunch of times. My problem with like that track, I'm really hesitant to even dive into this because I don't want to. It's just the production. It's just that thing where I'm We're I getting know, into the EQs now. Well, it's I made a couple of catastrophic decisions as a producer, and it's because I didn't, I made the mistake of not, putting myself in a room with 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 a person or people that blow me out of the water in certain respects. I think that it's very important. But I was coming off of the back of like many years of isolating a lot, those first couple of years where I was, you know, grieving and yeah, it was it was just a really tough time and I just when we weren't on tour, I was alone. Um, and when I, when we were on tour and we weren't in the studio, it was just me and it kind of stayed in that. And I broke it with Elizondo, but that was just two weeks. But for the rest of that record, like I should have been in the room with somebody who's like, Hey man, maybe don't quantize everything. Maybe don't ram the velocities on everything. Like all of that shit is on the grid. And it's like, that's how it sounds. And the people who like it would hate it if I changed it and I would never go back and fuck with it. But in my, like, I can't listen to that stuff because of it. And um, Wait, so are you so left to your own devices? Do you just like move towards extremes? Uh, in like in general, mood wise, I mean, like, more like music, but oh, I mean, I, oh. I, I can kind of intuit that. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the music is, I mean, my default state is like, it's like ramped up. Like, I, I use that word a lot. I'm just fucking excited, and I get like that. And so, if when the music sounds like that it's just kind of i guess maybe it sounds pretentious but it's a reflection of that and when i start working on a track something new and it's working and there's a handful of elements in the mix and they're speaking to each other like i remember like let's just go back to sweet 75 like the first time i played like that little sparkly arpeggiated lush synth that kind of dances over the top of it you know like that for me made the song because it was just like this palm muted guitar and like a 909 kick and clap and a few hats and the synth riff came like later. But I remember when that hit, I was just like, that did it. Like for me, I was, I was like, cool, I'm in love with this. And so the rest of the song where it's like, here we go, here we go. When it's like building and it's like that, that brick wall of sound and it's like, you know, super side chain and it gets like, tries to ramp up the emotion even more or rather the energy as corny as that word is. It's just because usually, cause that's like how I'm feeling. I'm like, oh my God, like I'm like Alexis is is really calm and I'm like, you know, I'm hyperbolic and all of the shit that you might expect if, you know, you talk to me for an hour. So like when we're working on something and listening to it, like a rough mix, right. You know, like really early on for the first time, I'm the one that's like jumping up and down in the room, like, Oh my God, like we're the fucking Beatles. And like, look, I know we're not the Beatles. And she's just like, all right, have your little moment and then sit down because <laughs> we got to go back to work. We can like, we, we got to make this better. And like the, you know, that pattern is like, it just never ends. And I think that's why it happens every time we have a new idea that we're both excited about. And it's, I think that's why 
you know i mean i feel like you kind of need to have like some of that you know that enthusiasm dude i anybody who's because because if you don't have that charge like it can be hard to like well why are we doing this anybody who's if i don't feel like this is like really good yeah and look look that sometimes that fades like i felt that way about every track that we've made and i certainly don't feel that way about every track we've made now a few of them but I think everybody I know in bands. The important part is the going in. Yeah, but like, ma- the coming out, you know. Everybody I know that's in bands, like I know for a fact, have had those moments where like they finish mixing a new track and they're like, this is the best thing ever. And it's it's irrational. And you know that that's going to, you got to temper that at some point. But it's cool to allow that moment because it can propel you forward. It's like, you know, it's like attaching a massive battery to your back. It's like just gives for me, it gives me energy. And it's why on on good days I can like start working in the morning and like I look up and it's dark out and you didn't didn't even notice any time pass. It's when you're in that like it's like I other people call it I, flow state. I don't use that shit, but like that's cool. Yeah, that could describe it. I when people talk about that, I'm like, I think I know what you mean there. And uh so I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't feel so stupid doing it because I do think it's common. That's the point I'm trying to make. It just took me forever. Sorry. <laughs> i don't know that's probably i feel like what you said is probably useful to people uh people who make things just, I, I don't know I, I think of like my own experiences in different ways like haven't have you, you felt just, that way when I, you write? I, I really I know like i know you, you don't feel i'm sorry go ahead i know you must have felt that way when like you're really dialed in when you're writing and it's just like it's like you know i, I know you felt it like look like, oh to, yeah oh yeah i mean yeah. there's there's you know and like the sheer volume of things I have written. Yes. Enormous. You know, like it, there's definitely lots of things where you're just getting through it. You're just doing the thing for the day to get through the thing. Yep. Uh, and sometimes you go back on those things. Like, oh yeah, that was really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I mean, I, I think to me, uh, and this, this is probably, this is probably good advice for writing would be awful advice for music is, or I don't know, maybe it's not awful advice for music is that a lot calm. of the thing that was driving me for a long time, especially like maybe the first four or five, six years was just trying to like get to a point where I felt like the most, the worst I could do was mediocre. Yeah. And, Man. you know, just to, like, to kind of keep raising the bar. So like when you're just absolutely on autopilot, that's still pretty good. I mean, that's great. That I can't say that I've got shit. It's, I was actually cleaning out. I'm about to transition all my shit onto a new computer. So I was cleaning out all my old f- sessions and I'm having to check them to make sure there's nothing memorable in there that I want to use. And I'm like, it was really depressing. Cause I felt like some of it was terrible, but um, yeah, I don't know. I would love to get to a point to where the worst that I could do is like, oh, it's okay. But um, yeah, I'm not. Oh there man. Yet. So, I mean, years ago, so I, I haven't really done music stuff in a really, really long time now, but there was this spell of time between probably 19, 23, where I was just recording a lot of music on my own. I never did anything with anyone else, you know? And I mean, I feel like you probably would relate to the feeling of like, oh, I'm the worst person in my own band. <laughs> you know uh, oh yeah and i think that's what ultimately drove me crazy yeah but 
I mean, I haven't heard that stuff in forever, but it's all on on cassette tapes that you I have still it have. Though. And I know that if you I want to go through those, you got to listen to it. I we I want to hear it. Yeah. Actually, I don't know because I what feel like you'd be like, very interested in some of the things that I, I was doing on my own. Just like I, ne- being yeah. having read you for so long, I'd be like, "What kind of music does he make?" I have an idea in my head, and I'd love to see if they match. It's probably pretty similar to what you would think it would be. And it's funny because there there's certain things I was doing around like ninety eight. 99 that you know in retrospect i was like oh man i was kind of on a, a on a wavelength in some ways with the like animal collective the guys who are oh, like nice. maybe like a year or so older than me yeah yeah i love i love those records like sung tongs especially sung tongs feels is rad too Hit not, not so much those two i think okay. more like um like the stuff from a little bit before that but also like uh, like a, imagine like a, a much more like inept strawberry uh, jam, you know, okay, stuff like cool. that. Yeah, yeah, sweet. But you know, because I I don't play guitar, so everything's keyboards and like yeah, and mm-hmm. all and also I didn't have a drum machine, so all the drumming would just be kind of like, like using like a keyboard, and like you know how like so keyboards they'll have like you can just put the drum setting and you can just play it on the keyboard. Yeah, I mean that's how it's I all play. like that. So I'm yeah. like my own terrible drummer. Yeah, nice. Oh, that's rad, dude! Def, you gotta rip it into whatever. What do they call it? I, yeah, like I mean, I don't digital. have, I don't have the relevant equipment for that. Like someday. Yeah, I don't have it either. Actually, I'm trying to figure out. I don't have a cassette player. Yeah, I, I mean, I have send like, it to me. I have, I have, I, you know, what, I think the thing that is just like if someone uh, can hook me up with a, a cassette player that can hook up to digital, uh, that that would do the trick. Because I, I have like mixed downs. Because like the there's no way in hell I'm going back through and getting a new four track and then like <laughs> mixing down four tracks from 1999 yeah. or something yeah that's those things i i had one i had the fostex i think xr5 and i never learned how to use it properly i got to the point where i could overdub a couple of guitar parts and i was like all right that's cool at least i can do that i think if i was to listen to this stuff now i really have not listened to stuff in ages like i, I mean there's actually some songs where like i can sing them to myself like i act for some you know for some reason the lyrics never leave you yeah um but <laughs> yeah I, still- I think if i was to listen to it now i would just be like why are you singing like that <laughs> like like so i'm like i'm like a pretty reasonably decent singer yeah but and but i think like i was like leaning way too hard on reverb because i had like I had I had a bunch of like Dan Electro pedals that I got that yep. I've got really really over reliant on just because yeah. I was just trying to make like this terrible equipment sound cool. Yeah, no, I I know I know how that goes. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's kind of the sto- like Infinity Guitars. A couple of the tracks on Treats were like Beat Stations from Guitar Center, the Akai XR twenty, I think, and then the Alesis SR either sixteen or eighteen. And, you know, like $200 beat stations. And I was like, well, I can afford these right now. So I got those. And that's why it's all distorted. Because if you don't distort them, it just like sounds like <laughs> horrible. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's fine. I couldn't get anything interesting out of them. But maybe- you know, I'm, I feel like I'm I, I, I'm attuned to and sort of snobby about keyboard sounds. But guitar is not so much. I can't, I know like lots of guitar players are like, well, you know, I, I bring like these 10 guitars with me and this is the one for this song for the, yeah. to get the right tone. And I've never. Yeah, I, not- I, I don't think my ear is so attuned to a guitar that I can be like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely 
uh, that's, that's the a one. Gibson as opposed yeah. to like even on that level of like the, like a Gibson versus a Fender. The kind of rule of thumb with that is that like the fenders are brighter and like a little more quote jangly for lack of a better word. And the fender, excuse me, a Gibson is a little warmer quote unquote, and just not doesn't, it's not as aggressive sounding. So it's like, if you want something smooth, like something rich and tonal, like a Gibson. And if you want something that's going to like attack your eardrum or that's like, you know, I'm, exaggerating here then you would go with a fender anyway i'm sure you didn't want me to explain that so i apologize what, wait, what, <laughs> what are your go-tos what, what do you uh, lean ja- on i use jackson guitars and i'm like you i use one i use one guitar for the entire set and i never really switch off and for recordings every once in a while i'll use a fender i'll overdub a couple of other things just for just so it's not the same shit every time like even like the neck pickups on my jacksons are really great for clean sounds um but yeah, usually I just go with the Jackson Soloist. I have a bunch of custom shops, and they're rad. I mean, I started playing them just because I thought they it made me want to pick them up. I like just like the way they look. You know, I don't know. All right, I mean, you have a, you have some really cool looking guitars. I do have quite a few from over the years, and I've been I'm part of the roster, like whatever you know, sponsored, and they, yeah. So I've been buying Jackson guitars for over a decade now and they're really great. Man, so when you get that kind of deal going, that's like got to be like one of the best days. <laughs> it was very exciting actually. I remember Mike Tempesta is my guy there. Um Mike won't listen to this, I'm sure, but I love Mike Tempesta if you hear this. Thanks, bro. Um but yeah, there I remember he came to a show in Los Angeles in 2012 during Reign of Terror because I'd been playing Jacksons throughout the Treats touring cycle and they caught wind of that and we're like yeah, you know. Yeah, there, you there's no it. writer equivalent of that, I don't think. There's not like, you know, yeah. Apple is like, you know, we really <laughs> like your stuff. We're going to hook you up with this really cool looking MacBook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, what would it be like for writers? I don't know. I have no idea. I, I think I would want like a, I would want like the, basically the, the MacBook that I have in front of me right now, but I'd want it to be like a houndstooth or something. Oh wow! Like the on the yeah, you know who had the coolest like customized Max was Mia Maya. She had like I remember when she the the night that I met her, she she came to my apartment in Brooklyn. She like pulled her laptop out of her pack, and it was like gold and pink. And I was like, "What the fuck?" Even her laptop is for Mars. It was so sick. Yeah, that was incredible. Mia, that's a woman who has an aesthetic. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's right. You have the Maya review. We don't even got to talk about that. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, God. That's right. That's the one you work with her on. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. What was wait, What was the song you did with her? Meds and Feds. And if I, God, I, I, I definitely failed her. Like, I think there's some really great moments on that track. Um, I, and I love her vocal on it. I just kind of like somebody else got their hands on it after me as well. And they did great work with it. I know Black Star um, has a production credit on it. I don't know. It was a long time ago. But that was my first time working off my beat stations where that was when I met Shane Stoneback, who engineered the first three Sleigh Bells records. And I'll never forget that first day. So like she emailed us out of the blue and was like, yo, you guys are sick. And this, she is my favorite artist on the planet at that very moment. Like my favorite artist on. I mean, those first two records, those are just like, they're they're unimpeachable. I think they're masterpieces. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember reading that email and I couldn't believe it. Like I was like, it, it was, I got 
it was cliche. I got dizzy. And Alexis was working at a Mexican restaurant that used to exist in Greenpoint down the street from me called Papacitos on Manhattan. And I called her. Yeah. So I called her and was like, Where are you? You're you're on a shift, right? Because I knew she was working. I was like, I was like, MIA just emailed us. She's like straight up said she wants to sign us. She's coming to New York. I was like, you can walk out of your shift right now. Like, not she would never do that. And she didn't. But I remember meeting up later that night and I like, yeah, it's like literally tears of joy. My favorite artist on the planet. It was crazy. It was fun, man. So yeah, she just a week later knocks on my door at on my apartment and I didn't even have speakers to play her shit. I had like the little co- speaker cones that were like 15 bucks that like, <laughs> you know, they look like, look like pine cones. That's how big they were. And I, we were so broke. I was living with Will, you know, who's became our manager and I was like, yo, can you loan me a hundred bucks? And I went to Wizard. Remember the electronic store in Greenpoint, Wizard? I don't think, it's, it, I, yeah, I probably would recognize it. Was it, like, it was like kind of the one electronics. It was kind of like a, a Best Buy for Greenpoint. And it wasn't Oh, wait, was, isn't it? Oh, it's it's kind of on that main drag. Wasn't it kind it was of on like right by that donut place? I think so. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. trying to remember the exact intersection. But so we went there and got slightly bigger, like desktop speakers. <laughs> <laughs> they were like like eight inches high but living large oh dude we were just flat fucking broke um but i remember playing her shit through that and then she played a bunch of stuff that she was working on and it was sick and then yeah she's like here's me be at this address in three days at 2 p.m and that address was tree fort and that's when i met shane stoneback i remember like knocking on the door and i didn't know who was gonna be on the other side and it was Shane. We didn't know each other then, obviously. And Maya was super late. So we ended up sitting around for six hours just talking. And he was like, what else? This is before Reign of Terror, right? Dude, this is two this is two thousand October two thousand nine. This is before treats. This was oh, damn. This is before anything. This was I was waiting tables at Miss Favela still. Like we didn't So wait, so she had just heard like Crown on the Ground and Real Real, she, like as they were heard going around? A B machines from Spike Jones and like maybe infinity guitars because all right Spike infinity guitars is, uh, had licensed ab machines for like an absolute vodka short film that he made or something i don't know but it was he was real fucking he was a nice dude was that this basically like your rent for like a few months yeah well close yeah i was ecstatic yeah i mean and Miss Favela, it was like, you made money on the weekends, but you know, they never had more than like 115 bucks in my bank account. So yeah, I remember when that was like, I didn't know what a sink was. I didn't know any of this shit. And like, when that email came through, it was real cool. But anyway, that's how I met Shane. I remember we saw No Age that night, actually. Wow, that's right. So Maya shows up. Man, this is, this is a real 2008, 2009 no, story. totally. I listened to Nouns recently and I liked it. I was like, yeah, this is sick. Um, but yeah, anyway. I remember Shane and I, because Shane had didn't like was like MIA's coming to my studio. He had worked with Vampire Weekend, which is how because they were both on XL, MIA and Vampire Weekend, and that's how Chris Chen is the one who sent us all the tree for it. Me and me and Maya. And anyway, yeah, I just remember Shane and I after we worked for a few hours, and then she left, and we were gonna start again the next day. He was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Nothing." He's like, "You want to go see No Age with me?" He like knew some of them or something. Or one of them, I know it's just the two dudes. And yeah, I think it was at MoMA. I don't know. It was like in a fancy ass place. 
and we were just kind of standing there watching him. Was it in that kind of like theater that's at MoMA or is it kind of like some it weird seemed spot? in a lobby, like a glass, it was like glass ceilings and shit. It was real sophisticated. And I was like, whoa. Oh, interesting. But it was weird. Cause we like, we- I saw like one, sh- I saw the, I saw liars play at that. They have that kind of like temple. Mm. I don't That was interesting. Maybe it was not MoMA. Uh, what would it else would it be? I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, anyway yeah, crazy, it was crazy. a museum is yeah. the point. But Shane and I remember feeling like it was weird. We were both like our lives had just changed drastically. I mean, I got, I never went back to work. I took a day off to go into the studio with her, but I was the head waiter and I had, I was working six nights a week and doing lunches as well. And my boss, Jeremy was like, he was my friend. And I remember calling him and I didn't know if I was going to be, if it was going to be a one-off thing. And she was like, oh no, we're going to do a week. And I remember calling him and being like, Yo, Jeremy, I know that you don't know who MIA is. I tried to explain it to him, but I was like, but this is like the biggest deal in the world to me. And I need the whole week off. And he's French. He's like, I'm very excited for you, Mr. Miller, but I'm sorry you were fired. And I was like, fuck. Oh, well. Anyway. Yeah. We like were a full-time band shortly after that. It was crazy, man. It was fun. Damn. And then you loved that record so much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's not talk about it. Who gives a fuck? Well, you, you, I remember uh, Sasha Fur Jones is one of the first people to really get on that. Yeah, he. Yeah, I think he wrote the first. I think that was the first press that we did. That was through Molly Young. You know, like she was Magic Molly. Like Molly was, I met through Will, and she's super cool. And we're still, I'd, I, we don't hang out. I haven't seen her, but we keep in touch. And so she had. That's how Spike heard us too. Yeah, that's right. Because she was writing for the Where the Wild Things Are blog. And she's like, can I post these Sleigh Bells demos? And I was like, yes, please. So I, I always think that's I've right. ever met Molly Young, but she has like this connections to so many people. Yeah. And it's this, it's like, she, it really is like a, a magical existence. It is. That name was not like clever or ironic. Will was madly in love with her. Like they went to Brown together and Will was like, they had like a whole click, you know? I felt like, I always, whenever they, we hung out with them, I was, I, I have maxed out at a high school diploma and I always feel like not a fucking dumbass, but I'm just not like hyper-educated. You know what I mean? Like not in like Yeah. The, yeah. You went to punk school. Yeah. Yeah. I was like touring was my college with Poison the Well. Um, but Molly is so amazing. And to this day, I'm like, thank you for starting the band. Anyway, because Spike heard it from, because of her and Sasha as well, because she knew Sasha. So she sent it, she's like, what came to the second Slay Bell show and brought Sasha with her. And I love Sasha to this day. We keep in touch. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, but yeah, that was, that was crazy. Cause it's like the first person you're going to talk to about your music is, you know, Sasha at the New Yorker. So <laughs> I was like, I was really nervous cause I had always, I was self-conscious about not, I was, this was a while ago. I was 28, you know? So like, I feel very differently, but then I like was scared that I wasn't going to sound smart. So you're always trying to sound smart, which is a great way to yeah. sound stupid <laughs> and i did that for years that kind of goes back to what you were saying before like when you're trying to lord it over people yeah always, like in the you, early, you only do that from a place of insecurity all those early interviews like for the first six seven years of the band i was just i felt like i was always trying really hard to sound smart and then you invariably sound like a dumbass and then you just got to relax and not be self-conscious and just kind of talk how we're talking if you can you know um and uh anyway yeah Molly Young, thank you. I'm always, I always thank her for starting our band. That's kind of true. 
She's, yeah, she's great. I mean, I feel like anybody who's in any kind of position, there's always like a few people that you can really point to. It's like, well, that person, if that person didn't do that, I don't know what the hell would have it's happened. It's scary how fragile. Like, there's absolutely like a, there's, there's a, maybe like five or six, seven people who I can point to where it's like, I don't know what my life would be like. Yeah. Now. I think I mean, about some, definitely some flux. Who do you got? I think yeah. even just more recently, I just started this job that really required me to just kind of like, I really was waiting for someone to take a leap of faith on me because I made kind of a career shift mm-hmm. and like the woman who hired me for that job is absolutely on the list now. Yeah. That's fuck it. That's amazing. Yeah. It's scary. Cause you think about it and you, you think about how fragile it is, how easily things cannot happen. I always think about the, like the idea that if it had rained on the night of July 10th, 2008 in Williamsburg, I never would have met Alexis because like I had the outside section and they sat outside and that would have been closed and I would have had a different section and maybe they would have been there. Maybe they wouldn't have, maybe they would have been, you know, seated in like my friend's section. And then, I mean, God, I don't know. I mean, it's like meeting her. I mean, we're like coming up on 14 years and she's like yeah. the best person I've ever met in my life. And I mean, I'd be it dead. really yeah. seems like it, like she's like your sister. She's 100%. She just yeah. got married and her, her husband, I was like, you're, it's like by every, not by law, but by every law of the universe, like every law of the universe, like you're my brother-in-law now, basically. And he's, I love the guy. He's, he's great. So. Um, Chosen family is an important and real thing. Yeah, absolutely. And we fight like family sometimes too, but the reason it never splits apart is because we're family. And we also yeah. never fight about things that really and truly break up bands, which is honestly like money or like somebody like sleeps with somebody's wife or stuff like that. You know, I've seen stuff yeah. like that happen and it's dark. But I think like tying it up to you, you we, we've mentioned the song Sweet 75 a lot. But yeah. I mean, I think you said like you were basically writing that as kind of like an imaginary conversation. conversation where, no conversation. You know, like you're, ha- you're, you're writing the words for her to confront you. Comeback kid, come kid is the same thing. Yeah. Like it's like, I know you try so hard, but you can't even win. You got to try a little harder. Like I, and that's my, in my mind, her giving me a pep talk and i mean she knows she'll read it and just laugh um you know it's just they're just lyrics but yeah sweet 75's like that like i'll scold myself through her eyes that's mainly what i do it's like it's the way that i criticize myself is like you know and i'm just projecting um but sometimes yeah sometimes it just works lyrically i feel like we can wrap up there that's a good spot yeah, absolutely. My these Derek, how are... can people f- find sleigh bells? <laughs> how can people find sleigh bells? How do you mean? I mean, like, what what is the website? It's torn clean, right? Oh, oh God, I don't think is that act. Oh yeah, I think that is act. Is it? I don't <laughs> you tell me. Go it's to our. <laughs> I don't know. Go to our Instagram. That's where all our news is. I. That's the only thing that I use reliably to update people, yeah. and once or twice a year, post a selfie and then feel stupid about it. Yeah, I, I strongly <laughs> encourage people to check out Sleigh Bells on this tour. Oh, yeah, that's right. As, a, as a personal testimonial, this is the time to go see Sleigh Bells. If you haven't before, if you haven't in a long time, now is the time to do it. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, man. And yeah, right. thank, thank you so much for doing this, Derek. Yeah, thank you for having me. I think you know what it means to me. I'm a fan, first and foremost, even though we're friends now. So thanks, bro. <laughs> Likewise. I love you, legend.